Here's a little something for all you prisoners of the moment out there. Fall back. MJ still reigns supreme. I'm in my zone. I'm in my zone. Breaking them as they come. Who crowned it at number one? Welcome to In The Zone. I'm Chris Broussard. Thank you for listening. Today we're talking Jordan versus Brady. Who is the real GOAT? When we're all done, if you like the show, go ahead and subscribe. Also, write a review and leave five stars on iTunes. Tell me what you think about the show in general or just fire back at me about one of my takes. Don't be shy. On that note, let's get into it. Now, we just witnessed an all-time great Super Bowl performance by an all-time great player, Tom Brady. I'm a Brady fan. I've been that way for quite a while. And when it comes to quarterbacks, I'm willing to crown him the GOAT. I'm even willing to give him an arguably when it comes to being the greatest football player at any position. But some of you out there are going too far. Way too far. Hold up. My man Skip Bayless here at Fox Sports says Brady's the top clutch performer of all time. I believe last night Tom Brady eclipsed the man, MJ, Michael Jordan, as the greatest clutch player in all of sports history. I've even read articles where some have said Brady's had the best career of any player in modern team sports history. Oh, ye of little memory, hast thou already forgotten his airness? The GOAT doesn't play in New England. He played in Chicago, and he didn't throw a pigskin by bewildered opponents. He flew through the air past helpless defenders. With all due respect to Brady, before Sunday, the greatest athlete in team sports history was Michael Jordan. And that's still the case today. Here's why. Once he started winning championships, a prime Jordan never lost again. The 15-year distance between Brady's first championship in 2002 and his most recent in 2017 is indeed impressive. But that means there were also 10 years where Brady didn't win the big game. That's a mammoth, decidedly un-Jordan-esque, decade-long gap right smack dab in the middle of Brady's prime. MJ, on the other hand, he claimed his first crown in 1991 to begin what was essentially a run of six straight championships. Had he not taken a year and a half off to try his hand at baseball, Hakeem Olajuwon, who won his only two titles while Jordan was either absent or rusty from a late season comeback, would be viewed more like Patrick Ewing than Tim Duncan. That's the thing about Michael. He held the legacies of every other superstar of his era in the palm of his hand. Seven feet tall, butter jumper, ice cold handle, didn't matter. If you were unfortunate enough to be born around the same time as Jordan, you had two years and two years only to get your jewelry. Every time I come around, you see they Not true with Brady, who has seen eight other quarterbacks cement their legacies with Super Bowl rings during his run. As far as being clutch, Brady is definitely that, rallying the Patriots from fourth quarter deficits to win two of the last three Super Bowls. 
But Air Jordan was so good that he never found himself in those kind of holes. Not only did Jordan never allow an opponent to reach a game seven in his six trips to the finals, but he powered his Bulls to three one leads in four of those six finals. He was so far ahead of his competition that he never found himself dangling from the edge of the cliff like Brady has so often. Throughout his career, Jordan did play in five winner-take-all games. His record, 4-1. His numbers, 33 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds a game. Jordan was more dominant at his sport. Jordan had a far longer and more decisive run as the world's best basketball player than Brady had as the world's best quarterback. After winning his first of five MVP awards in 1988, Jordan was the undisputed greatest player in the world for the next nine full seasons that he played. Brady, it can be argued that the two-time MVP has never definitively been the best quarterback in the league. Not with Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers working their magic. According to the records, though, officially, Brady was first-team All-Pro twice. Twice. In 16 years as a starter. I won't hold that against him in the GOAT rankings for quarterbacks because it's largely Brady's postseason play that gives him the nod. But Jordan was phenomenal in both the regular season and the playoffs. And once he established his dominance, no other player in the league was mentioned in the same breath as him. Jordan broke the mold twice. Jordan turned conventional wisdom on its head, not one, but two times. When MJ entered the NBA in 1984, no one believed you could build a dynasty around a shooting guard or an average-sized player at any position. Dynasties were the work of giants like George Mikan, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In fact, almost every team that had won an NBA championship up to that point featured a Hall of Fame center. I wish I was a little bit taller. MJ changed all that, winning his rings with five nondescript centers you'd have to Google to remember. This was during arguably the greatest era of centers the game has ever seen. Olajuwon, Ewing, David Robinson, Shaquille O'Neal, and Alonzo Mourning were all young and awesome. And Jordan was going to war and winning with guys like Luke Longley. <laughs> but there's more. Leading the league in scoring and winning a title was viewed as virtually impossible in 1984. Before Jordan, only three players had ever accomplished that feat, and two of them may as well have been playing with peach baskets. Joe Falks in 1947 and George Mikan in 1949 and 1950. Besides them, only Abdul-Jabbar in 1971 had won a scoring title and a championship in the same season. Then came MJ, who led the NBA in scoring a record 10 times, including all six seasons in which he won a title. Since his last championship in 1998, only one player has done what was commonplace for Jordan, Shaq in 2000. Did you hear that? As for Brady, by playing so well and winning the Super Bowl at age 39, he's definitely defied conventional wisdom regarding father time. But does anything else he's done make us rethink the game the way Jordan did? I think not. 
Look, none of this is to slight Tom Brady, who deserves the accolades he's receiving, and quite frankly, more rings could be in his future. But fans, let's not get crazy. The fact is we're only talking about Brady as the GOAT because of this unprecedented number of championships in football. With Jordan, it's not just about the rings, as impressive as his collection is. The ever-reliable eye test also told us Jordan was unlike anything we'd ever seen, regardless of the sport. Check this out. Even after his first retirement in 1993, with only nine seasons and three titles under his belt, articles in the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times still labeled him the GOAT. Think about that. After just nine seasons, three titles, that's it. They still said he was the best player ever. Then he gave us an encore and grabbed three more rings. That makes Jordan's title harder to erase than even a 25-point third-quarter deficit. And if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> Let me take a minute and tell you about the Make Me Smarter Football podcast hosted by my man Nick Wright and Pro Football Hall of Famer Chris Carter. This podcast is a 20-minute crash course of what's really happening in the NFL. Every Tuesday, Nick and Chris will take popular stories other media outlets are putting out there and tell you why so-called experts on other networks are getting them dead wrong. This podcast will make you think. It'll make you understand. It'll make you smarter. So subscribe to the Make Me Smarter Football Podcast. Three-pointer. All right, as always, we got my man DJ Johnny John. What's up, man? What's up, man? Good, good. A lot of drama in the NBA, of course. Yes, so yes. let's go with our New York Knicks. Phil or Mello, whose side are you on? I am definitely on the side of Carmelo Anthony. Phil Jackson, he's always been viewed as professorial, almost like a savant, you know? I mean, his book, Sacred Hoops, and giving players books about other topics during the season and meditating in practice, the Zen master. Like, it was almost like he was above sports, like he was that mature. And now we're seeing him in a whole different light. And I actually think he is sullying his legacy a bit. He's not never going to ruin the 11 rings that he won. But he is doing some damage to his legacy because he's acting crazy. I think he's embarrassing himself because he's a 71-year-old man, quite honestly, who's acting like a child. If one of my daughters was acting this way, I'd punish them. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because he is not handling this like a man. Why in the world would you try to embarrass your best player, who, by the way, has a no-trade clause? Okay, so you can't just get rid of him. Um, he is, uh, it appears that he's gone to the press, Charlie Rosen initially, Kevin Ding from Bleacher Report, who wrote a really strong piece uh, against Carmelo Anthony. Both of them look like they came straight from Phil Jackson's mouth. Even if they didn't, and particularly with the Ding article, which is the most recent, it's you still supported it with a tweet after the article came out. So even if you didn't feed that info to Ding, you still associated yourself with what he was saying, which was very negative about Carmelo, saying he's not a winner. And then in your tweet, you say you learned your lesson that you can't uh, change a player. You referenced Michael Graham in the yeah. 1980s, who you coach. Well, if you learned your lesson back in 1980 or in the 1980s, why in the world did you sign Carmelo and Anthony in the first place? If you knew he wasn't a winner, 
Did he put a gun to your head and say, give me the 124 million? No. Did he put a gun to your head and say, give me the no trade cost? No. You did that. Those are your mistakes if that's how you view them. So why throw Carmelo Anthony under the bus? Carmelo Anthony does not deserve this. He has been the most mature person in the entire Knicks organization throughout this whole ordeal. Can you imagine having to go out there and play or perform at any job when you know your bosses want to get rid of you? And he's still going out there and playing good basketball, still putting on the professional face when after every game and every practice, he has to face the media and answer these questions. And Phil Jackson is running from the media, has not spoken to the New York media since, since September. And if he, he's speaking to different members of the national media in the background, in the weeds, yeah. you know, having them plant this stuff, apparently it appears that way. So that's not, those are not the actions of a 71 year old man who's supposed to be mature. Those are not the actions of a president of an organization who's getting paid $12 million a year. And it's not helping you with free agents in the future. Don't think other stars who like Carmelo Anthony or maybe don't even know Carmelo Anthony personally are looking at this situation and saying, man, is that how he's going to treat his best player? Is that how you treat a, a guy that's going to be a future Hall of Famer? Heck, maybe even a Kristaps Porzingis yeah. is looking at this and saying, if they could do that to Carmelo Anthony, whose career I can only hope to have, would they do that to me? I mean, this is incredibly damaging on all fronts, finally, because you obviously want to trade Carmelo. You think this is helping? You think having him known as a guy that's not a winner and then you co-signing an article that says that, you think that's going to help you get Kevin Love? Or you think that's going to help you get somebody from the Clippers that can help your team? No. So it makes no sense in any way, shape, or form. And he's obviously trying to force Carmelo to take away his no trade clause and say enough of this i'm leaving i actually think this may make carmelo anthony digging even deeper and say you ain't running me out of new york i love it here i came here to try to win and that's what i'm gonna do all right so i'm with mellow team mellow i like it chris you're getting heated man, man i like it i hate move. immaturity especially <laughs> that, when you seven decades yeah, old. yeah if you're gonna be that guy be come that guy on, yeah all right let's move to another front office this is the Los Angeles Lakers. They just hired Magic Johnson to join their front office as an advisory role. Do you think this is a good move or a bad move for the Lakers? This is a great move. Okay. Um, and obviously, Magic hasn't had a lot of front office experience, but he obviously knows the game of basketball as well as anybody, and he's a leader. That was one of his greatest attributes as a player, and that, that front office needs leadership. Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak, to be honest, neither of them is, is like a terrific leader. And that has hurt them in meetings with free agents. You know, they're kind of just their dull personality, so to speak. No offense to them. But that's not resonating with yeah, the free agents yeah. that they're meeting with. Magic Johnson, on the other hand, is personable. He's colorful. He's, you know, obviously a legend. So that can, that's at least an advantage in these meetings with free agents. And I think he's going to give some direction to that front office. I know he's going to be hands-on because that's magic. He's yeah. not going to do anything half-heartedly. He wouldn't put his name out there and let it be put out there if he wasn't going to be willing to go ahead and, and, and put his neck on the line and try to re, you know, retool or revamp this franchise. So um, I, I think it's a great move. 
And um, look, they're headed. They actually have some things that could work out for them. I mean, you're losing games, but I think that's good for them because you're going to likely keep your top three pick. And it's a great draft, especially for guards. And so if you get the right guy in there and um, you team him with some of these young guys, at the very least, you have pieces that you might be able to turn into a star. And um, so I, I think that getting Magic in there was a terrific move. Cool. All right, last question on Russell Westbrook and his legacy. What do you think would have been better for his legacy? If Durant had stayed and those two had won a championship together? Okay. Or just one. Just one. Okay. Let's go just one. Or him flying solo, being the man and averaging a triple-double for a whole season. So what's better for his legacy? That's a great question. Um, look, we all, today, everybody emphasizes rings, right, and championships. And that certainly validates a career. I mean, there's no question. If you win a championship, it, it puts you on another level. But a triple-double? Only one other player in history has done that. Oscar Robertson, of course. So I got to be honest, and I know I might take flack and heat over this, but I actually think he'll be remembered more for averaging a triple-double. You know, that, I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. We know that. And maybe if you had said if you won two or three rings with Durant, maybe it's different because that even puts you on a higher level. But the triple-double... Man, I I I I think I take the triple double. Right. That I mean that is Jordan never averaged a triple yeah. double. LeBron's never averaged a triple double. All these great players, these great wing players we've had, Jason Kidd, others that even filled up the box score, none of them ever averaged a triple double. Magic Johnson never a triple double, and he was six nine. Yeah. So this would be an incredible feat for Westbrook. And I, I think that would his name would be on people's lips for decades and, and generations to come. Yeah, I mean for younger people, I mean that's how they remember the yeah. go. Yeah, exactly. Triple double. Exactly. You know, he only could, won one championship, yeah. and they don't say, "Oh, he won a championship." People yeah. don't even really think about that. They think about the triple double. Yeah. That's a great point. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right, my man. Appreciate it. All right, time to wrap it up and run it back. The GOAT doesn't play in New England. He played in Chicago. He was so far ahead of his competition that he never found himself dangling from the edge of the cliff like Brady has so often. Jordan was the undisputed greatest player in the world for the next nine full seasons that he played. Then he gave us an encore and grabbed three more rings. And once he established his dominance, No other player in the league was mentioned in the same breath as him. Game blouses. That's it for this week's show. Please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Give us five stars and leave a nice comment. Make sure you also catch me live on my nationally syndicated radio show, along with my co-host Brian No on Fox Sports Radio every Saturday, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern. We'll be reacting to live games and covering all of the major stories in sports. See you next week. Peace.